Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time, whether you're getting ready for work, or doing laundry, or dishes, or changing diapers, or driving to or from work, conference periods, or lunch breaks or whatever. I hope it gives you a little bit to add to your toolbox, as we used to say in the Marine Corps, and hopefully it helps our nation just a little, if nothing else. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and tell others about it, I'm incredibly grateful for that, humbled by it. I will try to use your time wisely for those of y'all that continue to support over on Patreon financially. Thank you so much for your encouragement. Not a whole lot to tell today, except that I have the luxury of sitting by the wood stove to record this podcast, which is a great luxury. It's a little rain outside, a little chilly. The guineas are letting the world know that they are up and alive. (laughs) And the dogs are sleeping on the porch. So, all together, pretty idyllic. Father, thank you for this time to record the podcast. Thank you for your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. Thank you for the people here that listen to and share the podcast. Be with them and their families. Bless them. Keep them safe. Surround them with your angels. Protect us all, Lord, from evil. Guide us through each day. Help us to seek you, Father, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To seek you first each day. To love our neighbors as ourselves. And help our country turn back to you. And guide my words, Father, please. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go back one more time to Benjamin Rush. And we really, we could spend a lot of time in here. Um, One section that I just haven't had the chance to delve into because I haven't even, didn't even realize it was there for a while is he has a whole essay on uh, female education, education of women, the differences between men and women. It's really fascinating. Uh, and we're going to get into this the next couple of days, but it, it's hard to fathom anything other than rejection of God, which led to it, and abortion, which topped the destruction that the core feminist idea of making men and women be the same has done. Uh, And if we get time, we'll talk about it in reference to uh, sports in particular, Title IX, and and some other nonsense that's going on. But so this Benjamin Rush, uh, these essays are really great. He was obviously well ahead of his time. But we're going to go in and spend a little bit of time today talking about this section 
It's titled, A Defense of the Use of the Bible as a School Book, addressed to the Reverend Jeremy Belknap, Belknap, not sure, of Boston. And we're just going to read a few pages of it. It's actually quite long, uh, and I can't even begin to imagine that we're going to get through most of it. So we might come back next week again. One more time. <laughs> this is the great thing, folks, when you start to dig into it. You see that there's just time and time and time and time and time again where you see the, the proof, the evidence that our country was set up as a Christian republic by our founders very intentionally. And, you know, I had somebody ask online and then we'll, we'll get started, I promise, recently about the Treaty of Tripoli. And we'll come back to that again. But that's a great, a great point, because the left likes to take a few words out of one sentence, out of one paragraph, out of that whole treaty, and try and make it be proof, uh, try and prove every all this other, this mountain of evidence wrong. Uh, and when you really dig into it and really take it in context and read the whole sentence and the whole paragraph and the whole treaty and what's going on around it, it makes it quite clear that it's not what they try and pretend it is. Dear sir, it is now several months since I promised to give you my reasons for preferring the Bible as a school book to all other compositions. I shall not trouble you with an apology for my delaying so long to comply with my promise, but shall proceed immediately to the subject of my letter. Before I state my arguments in favor of teaching children to read by means of the Bible, I shall assume the five following propositions. Christianity is the only true and perfect religion, that in proportion as mankind adopt its principles and obey its precepts, they will be wise and happy. That a better knowledge of this religion is to be acquired by reading the Bible than in any other way. That the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. That knowledge is most durable and religious instruction most useful when imparted in early life. That the Bible, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any subsequent period of life. My arguments in favor of the use of the Bible as a school book are founded, one, in the constitution of the human mind. And so we'll read a couple more of these points, but it's this is a, just a sampling, folks, of, of really the attitude. And we've talked about Fisher Ames, who penned uh, the First Amendment. We've talked about Thomas Jefferson using the Bible as a school textbook when he was in charge of uh, the Washington schools, D.C. I don't remember which part of it. Uh, and we've talked about a number of others that recommend the Bible as the primary school textbook. And so this was not a a random, uh, unique voice. This was, this was the norm. This was a common voice. This was what our founders in general, the vast majority, you go back to Joseph Story's comment and his commentaries on the constitution. Uh, you know, if, if the founding generation, not just the founding fathers, but the generation, the, the common citizens had ever suspected where, we would 
be led today as far as the evils and the gross misuse separation of church and state, they would have never agreed to the passing of the Constitution or the First Amendment in particular. And so, you know, these ideas, Christianity is the only true and perfect religion. The best way to know Christianity is to read the Bible. The Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man than any other book in the world. Uh, you've got to teach these religious instructions early in life. And when you don't have the Bible in schools, when you don't have the Bible for your children uh, in their education, it does damage later on. Uh, if they come back to it, they're weaker mentally. They're, they're weaker as a citizen than they would have been had the Bible been at the core of their education. And we see that today. It's not shocking at all to see how far down education has come in America and the quality of citizens that we're producing. And yes, it goes back. It's all tied in together. It's, it's almost circular, right? You have broken homes. Well, where do you get broken homes from? Well, you get broken homes from broken homes. And you get those because we re reject God's plan for husbands and wives and marriage and sex. And well, why do we reject that? Well, part of it's malevolence and part of it's gross ignorance because we don't teach the Bible anymore. And so it all gets tied in together. The memory is the first faculty which opens in the minds of children. Of how much consequence then must it be to impress it with the great truths of Christianity before it is preoccupied with less interesting subjects? As all the liquors which are poured into a cup generally taste of that which first filled it, so all the knowledge which is added to that which is treasured up in the memory from the Bible generally receives an agreeable and useful tincture, tincture from it. So the point here, folks, is he's saying, uh, and we've, we've talked about this recently, what we take in, you go back to the proverb talking about guarding your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. What we take in dictates what we can put out. So if we're going to sit here for hours and hours uh, and watch trash on TV, then that's going to start to be what fills our heart up. If we're going to scroll through TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and it's going to be immoral pictures, immoral ideas, et cetera, et cetera, then that's what's going to fill our heart up. And we're going to start to produce those evils. We're going to start to produce that sin. We're going to start to produce that chaos and violence and destruction, right? And so in our education, particularly in our elementary and middle school, but even in our high school and education, even in college, when education, <clears throat> you can teach science, you can teach music and art, you can teach history and English, although history is kind of hard to do, English, and you can teach, and I guess science would be kind of hard to do also, really a lot of these subjects are kind of hard to do, but my point is, you can teach pretty much any subject and try and keep it completely secularized, but the problem is there's still going to be this void at the core in how do we direct that education, that knowledge? 
that there's a great quote. I've read it before here on the podcast. I, I cannot remember to save my life. I don't think it was Eisenhower, but that's the name that's popping in my head right now. But he was talking about the fact that we had become these these nuclear giants, these mental giants. We had controlled even the atom now at this point, you know, in the 20th century. But he said, but we have become moral morally corrupt, moral infants, moral babies. We had all this knowledge, but we had no idea how to use it well. And that's, that's exactly what, what Benjamin Rush is talking about here. If we don't fill, fill our children's minds with truth, with goodness, with the principles of Jesus Christ and God, first and foremost, then we leave this opening for evil to come in. What, and if we do fill their minds, if we do the right thing and fill their minds with the principles of God and Jesus Christ first, then as we add on math and science and English and history and art and music, it all is through this worldview of those principles and, and the production of those things. You can go back to George Washington Carver. Uh, there's a pretty well-known pastor out of Tennessee that's talked about this quite a bit recently. That, that culture, that society becomes so much more wholesome, so much stronger, so much more functional, so much less chaotic and more ordered when you have that base knowledge of Christ first and foremost. There's a peculiar aptitude in the minds of children for religious knowledge. I have constantly found them in the first six or seven years of their lives more inquisitive upon religious subjects than upon any others. And an ingenious instructor of youth has informed me that he has found young children more capable of receiving just ideas upon the most difficult tenets of religion than upon the most simple branches of human knowledge. It would be strange if it were otherwise, for God creates all his means to suit all his ends. There must, of course, be a fitness between the human mind and the truth, truths which are essential to its happiness. You can talk to most teachers and and probably, uh, if they're honest, good teachers, you're going to get confirmation of this pretty pretty readily. And that is that young kids really know the difference between right and wrong, and they latch on to those concepts uh, a lot more so than. Uh, multiplication tables or, uh, you know, trying to digest a literary essay or anything else like that. Kids know what's wrong and right. That's one of the reasons this hypocrisy with all the accommodations that you see across the country is so damaging because the kids know it's not right. The kids that are getting the extra help know it's not right. The kids that aren't getting the extra help know it's not right. And so you have this hypocritical standard there and and the kids are looking to us as adults going, well, you're supposed to be just and fair and honest, right? And obviously you're not because you're having different standards for different kids. And so young children, they, they know these truths and they latch on to them. The influence of prejudice is derived from the impressions which are made upon the mind in early life. Prejudices are of two kinds, true and false. In a world where false 
prejudices do much mischief, it would discover great weakness not to oppose them by such as are true. I grant that many men have rejected the prejudices derived from the Bible, but I believe no man ever did so without having been made wiser or better by the early operation of these prejudices upon his mind. Every just principle that is to be found in the writings of Voltaire is borrowed from the Bible, and the morality of the deists, which has been so much admired and praised, is, I believe, in most cases, the effect of habits produced by early instruction in the principles of Christianity. So the deal here again is whatever we take in is going to be what we put out, right? And so the idea, for example, two thoughts come to mind, and we'll close with this. The idea that all religions are equal uh, today that's been pushed is simply not true. Uh, They can't be because when you get down to the core Uh, these religions, or atheism, you throw that in there too, they demand a verdict one way or the other. You can't, the idea you hear some people today, especially that claim to be Christian, and they say, well, there's a bunch of paths to God and eternal life. I'm a Christian. I should know that, right? Well, you should know that, and you should know that Jesus Christ specifically said, I'm the only way, the only way to get to God and eternal life. The idea that all men and women are equally good and bad is just wholly false, and it's not anywhere in the Christian text, because it's not true. You would never put someone like uh, Hitler and Mother Teresa in the same category and say, oh, yeah, they were the same. And you all know this. You know people in your life, and you know inherently, okay, well, this person's a better person. That's not um, I don't like the word prejudice here, but I think it's because we we have forgotten what English words really mean, and I'm sure there's a different definition that he's using here. But it's not a bad character trait to be able to look at people and decipher which ones are good and which ones are bad. In fact, it's necessary in life. You have to be able to distinguish character because it's going to affect every association you have, the friends you choose, the spouse you choose, the business partners you choose, right? Every every relationship between people in your life is going to demand a character assessment. And if you don't, it's just foolish, not only for yourself, but you're setting those up around you for pain and heartache, because if you don't do your due diligence and, and do that character assessment, and you go ahead and get into bed with this person, whether you're talking about sexually or whether you're talking about business or whether you're talking about a friendship and, and they're not good character, it's going to come back to haunt not just you, but those other people around you. And so I think that probably the easiest way or the best way to close here is you don't have to be a Christian in order to practice good moral principles. You can have been raised a different way or be some other religion or, or be from or be of no religion and practice good moral principles. But the problem is eventually you have to ask where did those principles come? And without fail, I've talked about this in marriage before, you will never ever find a functional 
good, great marriage that doesn't practice the principles of Christ. That's the bottom line. You're never going to get away from those principles. And so if we're never going to get away from them, why are we not teaching our children them first and foremost, particularly in public education in a Christian nation? We're just setting ourselves up for disaster, and we see it. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.